A quick warning, this episode includes discussion of depression and suicide. Brooks, a writer and professor. This is How Art is Born, an MCA Denver podcast about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practice. Today I'm joined by indie pop producer and artist Sarah Pumpian, otherwise known as Zimbu. To start off, Sarah, can you give us a brief overview of who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, well, I make music as Zimbu, and that takes up a lot of my time perform tour when that was happening <laughs> right. and I run a beats by girls chapter in Fort Collins huh. in the Northern Colorado area, bringing music production, education and mentorship to girls and gender expansive youth. Wow. That's a lot of cool that's stuff. That's how I spend most of my time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, <laughs> where are you from originally? I grew up outside of Seattle, Washington. Okay. I want to hear about like how you connected with art originally. Like what are your earliest memories of either finding art that you loved or creating art? Like what, what, what do you think were your first interactions with it? So my, I, I can remember interacting with music since the time I can remember. Yeah. I, my parents, met at music school and my mom was a singer songwriter. My dad plays the harmonica and then I'm the youngest of three children and my brother played the drums. My sister played the piano and I sang, I loved, loved singing. Um, So I just grew up in a really musical household and my mom was teaching vocals out of the house. And so there was constantly, her students were constantly over. I was, you know, waking up on weekends to people doing warm ups, and it was just kind of a constant. And my mom performed and was an organizer herself um, and really weaved music into her activism, which, yeah, Yeah. music is activism, but yeah. So just some of my earliest memories are singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough, blaring it on (laughs) the, the stereo. And yeah, I just loved singing from a young age and it's all it's all I wanted. Mm. That's that's really cool to hear uh, just how deeply ingrained music was in your family. Um, what was it? What was it about music that spoke to you? Like, how did it affect you? You know, what did you feel when you woke up to hearing people do those warm ups? I feel like it just felt part of my DNA. I don't know. It just uh. felt the way of being and. I would wake up and once they would all leave, I would take over the karaoke machine and just have my turn at it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. It just made me feel good. I loved it. 
That's really cool. You know, because like some people, they have sort of like a moment when they realize they wanted to create art, not just enjoy it. But it sounds like it was just always with you. Yeah. Um, did you did you learn to play uh, instruments too or was uh, singing kind of your main focus? Singing was my main focus. I didn't, my mom, I think it was really good because it didn't, at least for a period of time, it didn't push me away. I wonder sometimes if she had, you know, been like, take vocal lessons with me, I would have been more distant <laughs> from it. But yeah, I just sang, I did a little bit of piano, but I... I got myself as the youngest child, I got myself out of everything I didn't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) And piano was one of those. And I really wish I had stuck with it. But yeah, singing was my main focus. And I actually, yeah, I have kind of a a really um, disjointed relationship with music. I yeah. So that was my childhood. It was so colorful and so much music and sound in the household all the time. And then my mom started navigating a lot with her mental health when I was around 10 years old and she ultimately died by suicide when I was 15. Mm, Sorry to hear that. Thank you. It was, it was hard. Um, but 10 to 15, I, yeah, you know, there was just no space for it anymore it felt like the lights just turned off and things got really serious and challenging. And I just pushed music away and it was, and especially after she died, you know, it felt like something of the past by then, but it was just, she was definitely my, my biggest advocate in pursuing music and encouraging me. We did this tour in Japan. Huh. Um, I'm Japanese and that's a whole nother story, but <laughs> you know, it was just so, I was so we involved in music and yeah, it was just too close to home after she died. And right. it took about, you know, 10 years of just space and healing to, even find my voice again. Hmm. And that was about five years ago. Wow. Okay. So during the years when you weren't doing music, um, I guess, what was, what was that experience like for you? So, cause it had been something that was such a part of your life, your expression, your identity. Um, hmm. yeah. What did it feel like to be away from it for so long? Well, I think while I was going through it, I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, you know, I went through a lot of, Mm. it was just a lot of trauma and just the way that I think my child brain was working was just like shut off, gone. And I didn't really think about it. I didn't actually, I know my, like Mm. deep inside, there was a huge loss, Um, but I wasn't really connecting the dots at that time. And yeah, I mean, I filled that time with um, a lot of partying, (laughs) a lot of just navigating grief and trying to get through high school. And yeah, I actually was really interested. I was still really interested. I still wasn't connecting the dots at this point, but I was really interested in uh, music and I wanted to be on the business side of music. So Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to be in marketing or part of the production team. And so in college, I worked for KEXP, which is a radio station in Seattle. Um, This music festival called Decibel. And I thought that I wanted to be, I really wanted to be in the music scene, but I thought from more of behind the scenes place. Um, Yeah. After college, basically I connected with a friend and yeah, then it, and jammed and that was kind of it. Well, yeah. Okay. So I actually <laughs> want to hear more about like how you found your way back mm. to this old familiar friend music. Um, so it was, you said you connected with the friend and you guys got together and jammed. Yeah, basically more or less. It was, I, I went traveling um, for about, six months on my own, went backpacking on my own. And that was just the first time I was really taken outside of the environment that I had been in for a long time. And yeah, I just grew so much during that time and healed a lot too. And I think it just, it allowed for more space and capacity for me to realize, oh, I used to sing. It was like, it felt like a light went off in my head. It's, it really felt like I had totally forgotten about it. But during that time, I just wanted to identify a little more with it. I decided, so I decided to say that I sing and that ended up me being in a conversation with with this old college friend. And he was like, yeah, you should come jam. And, And I was so nervous, so out of my element, I felt. And yeah, that was just the beginning of it all. And I just immediately fell back in love with it. And we we made the song together and put it out. And it was just a really transformative experience for me to one, just Hmm. feel how much I loved writing and then singing and then releasing it to the world. And at that time I was working um, a business consulting job and was really miserable. (laughs) And I, in hindsight, I really needed to have that experience for me to reach out to music Mm. again and just be so desperate for something to feed my soul during that time. Um, and I reached out to this friend mm-hmm. and we created this song and I ultimately ended up quitting my job and then moved <laughs> to Colorado and decided nice. to pursue music. <laughs> well, high five yeah. to you on that. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people when dealing with grief take refuge in their art. Um, but because your art was so connected with your mother, you didn't really have that. So when you came back to singing, did you feel any kind of renewed connection with your mother or was it any, was it, did, was it separate? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been a journey. I hmm. felt that immediately for sure. Yeah. But it's just gotten deeper over the years. Huh. Cause I think it was so 
new and I kind of quickly decided I wanted to make it if I could a career. And so I think there was a lot going on of how do I make this happen and figuring things out. I was in a couple different bands as the lead singer and then, um, Yeah. So just figuring out how to be a musician and what that was all about. And definitely all the while, you know, there was, I was feeling my mom a lot and felt more connected to her than I had in a long time. But honestly, right now, you know, five years in and doing my own project Zembu now and just really developing as an artist, I I'm connecting with her more than I ever have. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. You also mentioned that uh, your mom, that activism was a big part of how, of her music. And it, uh, I got the impression that activism is also important to you in music. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it is funny and it very unplanned. I, am so walking in my mom's footsteps. (laughs) She immigrated here from Japan when she was 24, I think maybe 25. And I moved to Colorado when I was 24 to Hmm. pursue music. And my mom also moved to LA to pursue music when she was 24. And then Yeah, she was pursuing her artistry, just music for a while. And then once my brother and sister were born, she really became wanting to become really involved in just really saw how, you know, it starts with the youth and the youth are our future. And so a lot of her work was um, it was peace advocacy work um, and really she was hoping to instill the concept of peace and have conversations about peace with children at a young age, basically. Hmm. Um, and used the story of Sadako and the thousand paper cranes, um, and the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings as really the kind of vessel and the storytelling. Um, and then kind of bouncing over to me, um, I mean, my songs and songwriting so much is about my mom. So many of my yeah. songs are about my mom. And there's so much wrapped up in that of, you know, talking about suicide, mental health, suicide prevention in a way that doesn't feel like it's the major conversation is you know, suicide prevention actually looks like dismantling white supremacy and access to healthcare and access to stable housing. And, you know, I see so much with my mom as an immigrant Japanese woman, you know, she did have a beautiful experience, you know, living here, but she also faced racism and discrimination and, you know, misogyny. And so it's just, it's all wrapped up in it, you know? And I think, so I think it really, 
allows me to have those larger conversations. Um, and, and then I'm really passionate about uh, bringing uh, gender and racial equity to the music technology huh. industry. Um, and so that's why I got involved with Beats by Girls. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Beats by Girls. Like, uh, yeah, what is it? And, you know, what's the focus of it? So, I mean, really, it's to create spaces that center girls and gender expansive youth um, and bring access to instruction, music production instruction and mm. um, equipment and also being taught by you know, women, trans and non-binary music producers and have that representation so that the students can see themselves reflected back at them and imagine themselves. For me, I kind of stumbled into production because, mm. you know, I really, I saw myself as a singer, right? I, I mean, I, I really am singing is so sacred to me and is, you know, my instrument for mm. sure. And I mean, what did I see in front of me? I saw, you know, female vocalists. Um, right. And that's what I wanted to be. And so, yeah, but I, you know, just through like different collaborations that, you know, didn't work out for various reasons. I originally wanted to just sing on stuff and not produce my own music. I was like, I just want to sing. And then basically it got to a point where I had to produce my own music because it just wasn't working out and I had to learn. And then I realized, wow, I want to learn. I want to empower myself. I want to be a badass female <laughs> music producer in this 98% of music producers are men, mm. white men often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the gender uh, disparity is really huge and it's really, it's really felt. So it definitely has given me some fire to want to dismantle that. That's really cool. Okay. So, um, I hear you talking about a lot of the issues that you like to address in your music. I want to, um, kind of talk about how you address it. Right. Because some people take the approach of, um, say creating art that doesn't directly address a subject, but then when they show up to speak somewhere, they address it. Mm. Other people are more direct in their messages. How do you go about incorporating the things you believe into your music? Yeah, I think I think I do use storytelling when I'm performing or when so I use it. I like you were saying, I mm -hmm. I don't speak maybe as directly to the issues themselves in my songs. But then, you know, before mm -hmm. I perform it, I will, you know, give a little context to that song and be able to speak to it more. I would say my style of writing, songwriting is speaking to the ache and the pain and grief I've felt, you know, huh. um, you know, for example, one song that's really literal is 
One lyric in it is, I never wanted to believe you would choose to leave. I always wanted to believe you would stay with me. Mm. So that's about my mom. Yeah. I think this has come up in a lot of these talks with people, with artists, is how some art is for us. Like as the artist, it's to release or work through the thing we're struggling with. Uh, Some art is for carrying a message that we want to carry to the world. Um, do you have like a vision of how you want people to be affected by your music? Is there like a reaction or a a result that you want? Mm. Definitely. (laughs) Um, I think right now the style of writing that I'm doing, I really want the music to just strike a chord in someone that allows someone to feel seen and that it just relays a message that they needed to hear in that very moment. Hmm. I love that. (laughs) I haven't thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when I ask the deep questions. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what about the idea? Like, how do you choose? Like, are there ideas that you kind of reject? Like, or, you know, you get partway into something and you feel like it's not working. Do you push through it? Do you say, wait, this isn't what I was going for? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you choosing which songs make the cut? Yeah, I think that I'm getting more not picky, but... Um, with it now, I, you know, I've just been really developing as a songwriter over these past five years, which isn't that long. Um, when I first started, I would say my level of discernment of what made the cut or not, I was like, that sounds pretty good. All right, let's go with that. (laughs) You know? And I think now my, I'm really asking the question of, Does that make me feel something? Does that make me, could I do better? Um, Is there a better way to say that? And so I'm definitely just being a little more critical, but not in a harsh way, I guess. Sometimes it can be harsh, but (laughs) there's just a feeling. Hmm. I know that feeling so well. It's in my body of when I'm like, damn, okay, that I feel that I felt that. So I think I wait until that can happen. Hmm. Okay. That's really dope. Uh, So one of the things that I noticed with uh, a lot, I mean, just that as a common thing with all of us as artists is pushing through whatever fear or insecurity we have as an artist. Um, And I find that a lot of artists try to overcome that by making sure that they never fail, which uh, I don't think is a practical plan <laughs> or sustainable. So uh, the reason I bring that up is because it's helpful, I think, for people who are listening, if, if we could talk about times, if something didn't work out according to plan, you know, you may not even think of it as a failure. It could just be something that didn't go the way that you planned. Do you have uh, any examples of that in this uh, five-year journey? <laughs> Probably. Definitely a lot. (laughs) I think what's coming up for me right now is right now. (laughs) 
I'm definitely, I told you at the hmm. beginning of this, I listened to your TED talk and it was just medicine for me. And, um, I, yeah, I'm just going through a period right now of feeling really burnt out. Um, hmm. I think because striving too hard for that perfectionism and delivery and being a product of capitalism and <laughs> feeling so much pressure to, to produce and yeah, make good art and get it out there and be successful, whatever that means. And right. I'm really at a point of just fed up with like, living like this and <laughs> un putting myself under so much pressure like that. And I feel like I can feel depression creeping in and mm. um, trying to be with it all. But it's been, yeah, definitely didn't plan, plan this, but I think it's something I really need to go. I feel so deeply though, even though it feels hard right now, I feel it's something I need to go through and mm. I'm kind of ready for it <laughs> for it to just kind of all collapse a little bit and to, huh. to pick up the pieces. Do you ever have that feeling of just kind of trying to make something happen so much and yeah. striving for that unattainable perfection and just sometimes it just all needs to collapse for it, it to really shake shit up. <laughs> right. Right. That's kind of where I'm at right uh, now. <laughs> okay. Well, so what do you feel like, what are your, I don't know, how do you push forward? What are your strategies for like when you're feeling that kind of collapse, how do you make sure that that isn't the end of your artistic endeavors? Yeah. I think I'm definitely asking myself those questions right now, mm. but I, I'm definitely taking some stuff off my plate. Uh -huh. I need some space and uh, time yeah. and rest. And I've, more than ever, I just feel such a thirst at the same time to just be an artist right now. Mm. And I've, for the whole time, you know, I mean, I've been working multiple jobs. Um, and I just really want to try to figure out how I can, which is, I feel like so many artists dilemma of, <laughs> right. you know, trying to make ends meet so they can pursue their art for sure. But I'm feeling, I feel like for a while I was like feeling like, I oh, yeah, I can manage all of this and do that job and that project. And I think I'm just at a point of just being spread a little too thin and, um, really want to figure out how to just make my art happen. So I think that piece, you know, changing my environment a little bit, moving to Denver, yeah. very excited for that. <laughs> um, nice. And I think another piece that has happened recently for me was kind of related is I did this little artist retreat for myself a couple of days ago, which was just 
going offline pretty much. And good for you. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> but I I'm writing an album right now. Okay. And I'm just kind of taking in what's coming and not really judging it, except one thing. I was judging the songs that just pour out of me are the songs about my mom. Mm. And I was, I have a voice in my head has judged myself for like, you know, time has passed, like, and you're still talking about this and, you know, sort of that stigma we have in our society that, you know, as time goes by, you should be better, which we know grief doesn't work like that, but still feeling that influence. And, um, yeah, I just had this really amazing, (laughs) this is going off on another tangent, but, um, (laughs) experience reading this memoir by Japanese breakfast and basically she's amazing. And her mom died and she wrote two grief albums. And I just, was like, wow, she wrote two grief albums. I can write a grief album. And I think that I just finally gave myself permission. Mm-hmm. And I think carrying into this next kind of chapter that I'm headed in towards of kind of letting go of the perfection, all that and stuff. I'm going to write a grief album and nice. just let that be hmm. um, and not judge it. Yeah. So huh. that's that's my plan. <laughs> There's a lot to be said about uh, trying to combine art and commerce. Like you were saying, like trying to make a living out of, off of it, but still um, being able to execute art in a way that is cathartic to your soul. You know, like whatever reason we started doing art, sometimes we get a little further and further away from that the more we're trying to figure out how to make a business out of it. And so trying to find that perfect balance is really tricky. Yes. Now you... Have you found it? uh, That's a good question. I think, um, yes, after a lot, like a lot of frustration. I used to uh, focus on music. I I performed around Denver for maybe, I don't know, maybe a decade. Mm -hmm. I would rap and have jazz musicians back me up. Hell yeah. And um. There would be bands that open for me that would get into like music festivals, but they wouldn't let me in. I wouldn't get any press, you know, like, and I would be out here grinding. I would be sending out press releases, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, once there were some friends of mine. They had been on um, sabbatical for a year, so they did no shows. And somehow they showed up in the best of in the newspaper for that year. And I was like, they haven't done shows in a year. Of course that would happen. And it just frustrated me so much. So I hear what you're saying, you know? And so the approach that I take these days is I create the thing that's true to me. And then I think separately about how to market it and uh, recognizing that those are separate things makes it a little better for me because I think, you know, like finishing something is a job, but Mm -hmm. figuring out how to sell it is a whole other job. Yeah. So with you having that background in music business stuff, do you combine when you're making songs? Are you thinking about how to sell it or do you even think about that at all? It's hard for me to separate it. I mean, I think I'm not 
you know, when I'm writing a song, I'm not actively being like, okay, this mm. is how I'm going to promote it and blah, blah, blah. But right. I am thinking that, oh, this is good. And this will be good for this song that eventually, I'll, you know, I'll be going through things like right now, even um, just kind of navigating this time. What I know I need is to just feel it and be with it and not have any agenda. Mm. But then I, at the same time, I know my best art is born from these raw emotions. So in the, in the back of my head, there's a little bit of an agenda of like, oh, maybe you should kind of like synthesize this down so you can make it into a good song. And then, you know, then the rest unfolds. Right. So I think that, that part, I really want to work on getting that out of my head right. more. It's, it can be really quiet sometimes, but it's kind of always there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, okay. So like as a writer, um, there are things that make a story accessible. There's like tools you use, you know, like, um, you have a main character that people can connect with. You have to give people a reason to connect with them. And you have to think about what journey you're taking your reader on. That's all like structure stuff. Um, same thing with songs, right? Like you can get as complex as you want musically, but if you have a chorus that people can sing or remember or easily digest, you know, that's usually makes it more accessible to them. I think for me, I try to think about things like structure in the creation of art, but I'm not trying to think about if I deal with this subject, will people buy this? Because that will really mess me up. <laughs> you know, mm. it's kind of a tricky balance. Totally. So in trying to strike that balance, I keep things way out of my head. You know, sometimes it comes together organically. Um, for example, I just wrote a comic uh, about a woman dealing with grief regarding her mother. Um, and the artist that I work with, so I wrote it and an artist named Sarah Menzel Trappel drew it. And she asked that the character be plus size, um, which I thought was a great idea. Um, and Sarah is also plus size. And she said that in drawing the comic, it ended up healing her of some of her own fat phobia, which is not something I could have predicted. Mm hmm. But the cool thing was that that was a sincere experience that she had. So then when it came to send out time to send out press releases, I asked her if that was something she felt good talking about. And she did. And so that became kind of the way that we marketed it to the press. And that has almost nothing to do with the actual story. But we marketed based on more of what her experience was in creating the story. But I could not have predicted that that would have come up. So if I were trying to think of how to market it in the creation of the story, I might have written a story that I didn't like. That's powerful. That's So that's my little sharing thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really powerful. And yeah, I think speaks to how you definitely cannot plan how your art will have a life of its own and impact others and just each step of the way 
being as genuine and sincere to yourself and your collaborators is the only way to make it happen. Right on. So Sarah, what kind of things do you find recharge you artistically? Like you talked about like a retreat here and there. Um, Mm. Like what kind of things inspire you? Definitely space, Mm. nature, rest, being offline. Yeah. It's amazing. I think just being offline, it all comes flooding in, you know, and just creating a little bit of space. So I think that's been a big lesson for me this past summer of I can do that. I can implement that because it really inspires me to just have space and not have a ton of loose ends in my mind that I need to to because it's all there. I think there's just so much ready to pour out and still pour out of me that I'm just still uncovering. Mm. Cause I feel like I had this, you know, this long disconnection and, uh, from music and I didn't have the vehicle of songwriting and music for all those years that I was experiencing so much. So I think so much is in me. It's just really about creating that space where it can come through but yeah nature definitely yeah yeah all right now (laughs) that you've had this sort of five-year experience as a musician if you were able to talk to the high school you all those years that you were not connected to music Mm. is there some kind of advice that you would give that's a good question (laughs) i would tell my high school self to hold on Hmm. life is worth living and what feels impossible right now will fuel you in a way you can't even begin to imagine. Um, Hmm. but just trust that you're going through exactly what you need to be going through and joy will enter your life again. Wow. I love that. That's great. Um, (laughs) I can feel, I can feel the passion, the purity of your passion for what you do. Like it's really dope. It just permeates off of you. Oh, Um, thank you. I say that because I I think a lot of times we can't always gauge ourselves. You know, we can't know how the world experiences us. Um, But there's, There's so much purity in it. And you were talking about working on the grief album. Normally at this point, I kind of ask what's, what's coming next. Like, what do you foresee as the next chapter in the Sarah Pumpian, Mm. you know, novel, but like, uh, yeah, I guess is the grief album, the thing, or or are there other things that you have in mind? I think for right now. Yeah. I think that's all I'm going to put on my plate right now. And also, (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what I need. Though I have many big dreams and all that, I am. I think, yeah, I want to write this grief album, and I have a loose timeline. Yeah, for spring, basically to release it. But yeah, I'm just gonna focus on just making art because it feels good, mm. and really shutting out all the rest. Yeah. And 
also really cultivating community. That's something I really, really want. All right, Sarah, my last question is if people want to check out you and your music, where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, any streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Zembu, Z-E-M-B-U. And that's pretty much it. And or my Instagram, we can connect on Instagram, which is Zembu Music. Right on. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was a really cool conversation. I really appreciate you thank sharing. You. Thank you, know. you so much for facilitating this conversation and yeah, just being you. And again, thank you for, I really needed to hear your TED Talk. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Right on. Thank you to today's guest, Sarah Pompian. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash podcast to learn more about her music. Special thanks to Sarah, a.k.a. Zimbu, for letting us use her song Overgrown in this week's episode. You can find the full version wherever you get your music. Also, Sarah was recently featured on the Japanese Arts Network's Amplify platform. You can check that out at the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more and leave a review. It really helps us out. How Art is Born is hosted by me, R. Allen Brooks. Cheyenne Michaels is our producer and editor. Courtney Law is our executive producer. How Art is Born is a project of the Museum of Contemporary Art, Denver. Walk into the car.